to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Board or the blueprints and putting our lives into action. God created us for action. Come on, if you look at your neighbor, you may question that. I mean, they may be dead. I, I, I worry that if someone calls 911 tonight, they may drag out three people before they find the dead one. Come on, there's life in God. God wants us to have a life. We've got a life of purpose. I wake up every day with a purpose. I wake up with an excitement every day. Tired some days. Don't want to get out of bed some days. You know, don't feel the best some days. Come on, I hate to tell this. Sometimes I get out of bed and my ankles give way a little bit and my knees and my back, I have to straighten up and hear crack in my back. You know, once you start approaching that four zero mark, come on, it's downhill from there, isn't it? Come on. No, but you know, every day I wake up with an excitement and a purpose knowing that my life was created for a plan. And now it's up to me to live the purpose. And I want you to get that same excitement in your life to realize that there's a plan for your life. There's too many people I know, not I believe, I know there are too many Christians who sit in a chair, in a pew, every Sunday, every Wednesday, thinking that there is no purpose, there is no plan, there is no future for their lives. All they've got to look forward to is heaven. And thank God that's great. But you know what? God wants to give us heaven on earth right now. God wants us to be a light in darkness. God has a plan for our life. If you want to know really what the plan God has for your life is, that you'll shine, that you'll show other people, that people may see your life and your life will bring hope to those who are hopeless. Last week we began... Step five, and I think it's kind of funny, you know, out of all the steps that we've taken, last week we talked about step five, which was finish it. And last week was the only message I didn't finish. And we were talking about finishing it. But we're going to take another step today, and we're going to look once again at how we can finish it. We've got so good at starting, and they say this, it's not how you start that counts, but it's how you finish. Now, a start is important. You've got to start. But it's not how you start that counts. It's how you choose to finish. Philippians 1 verse 6, great scripture. We've used this a few times lately. Being confident of this very thing. He, God, that began a, a good work. Come on, it's a good work in me. I thank God that he's begun something inside of me. But as we discovered last week, he hasn't just begun something. He is able to finish it. So he that has begun a good work in you will complete it, will finish it until the day 
of Jesus Christ. In other words, God does not quit on us. We're the ones that quit on God. In a nutshell, really, that's what we talked about last week. God doesn't quit on us. But we so quickly quit on Him. And we discovered the two, perhaps, main reasons that we quit. Number one, we bite off more than we can chew. Instead of building up to speed, we sprint right off the bat. And then we, we come so spiritually exhausted. Oh, I'm going to read my Bible for 25 hours a day. Hold on, there's only 24. You know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to pray for hours and hours. And no, you're just going to sleep a little bit longer. Come on, let's be honest. Oh, I'm just praying. No, you're not. You're sleeping. That's why I like to walk and pray because I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I get tired when I start to pray. Everything goes through my mind when I start to pray. Come on, everything that I need to do, everything that I haven't done, everything. Oh, and you're like, wow, it's incredible. If you ever want to know what you've missed from the day, just pray and it will all come back to your mind. But, you know, we say, God, I'm going to do this. And God just says, give me five minutes a day. Just read a couple of verses because God knows that five minutes of quality time with him a day will change your life that all of a sudden that five will become seven and ten and fifteen. And then you'll miss the time if you can't spend it with God. So we talked about being very careful that we don't bite off more than we can chew. Why? Because God's not impressed by promises. It's actions that he looks for. Oh God, I'll do this. How many promises has God heard? How many promises has God heard? God, if you would just heal me, I'll live for you for the rest of my life. God, if you'll just do this. I wonder how many broken promises God has heard. And that's why you see God's not interested in promises. It's actions that he looks for. I believe this. It's better to understate and overachieve. Did you catch that? It's better to understate. Well, I'll just do a little bit. And overachieve instead of overstate and completely underachieve or underperform. The second thing that we discovered, one of the main reasons why we quit also is because we've got the wrong focus. And by the wrong focus, we are not thankful for what we do have, but rather we long for those things and we go after those and our focus is on the things that we don't have. Really, living out of reality is what that is. So often we live out of reality, out of focus. We talked about this, that God will give me more when I learn to appreciate more. Be thankful for what you have. How many people this week have thanked God for your car that you just want to get rid of? But you just thank God for that car. Because instead of just keep praying for that new one, you're thanking God for what you do have. You're appreciating what you do have. And learning that through the tests and trials that we can have a great testimony. Okay? So as I said, it's time that we not only begin, but it's time that we continue. That we continue on towards our goals. That we finish it. Come on, that we make a commitment to it. That we purpose it. I'm going to say something right now that some of you at first may say, wow, that's kind of strange. Listen. Christianity is not a choice. It's a decision. 
What are you you saying, Pastor Philip? It's the same thing. You know, so many times a choice is more, what do I eat? That's a choice. But you know, when you make a decision to Christ, that means what? No matter how you feel during that day, you've made a decision. So therefore, the decision has already been made. Too many of us live Christianity choosing from one moment to the next instead of remembering the decision that we've made. And as a result, we're going to move on from there. We're going to stick to our decision, not be swayed by all the choices. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, there's been many choices and many things that I've had to face. But thank God for my decision that I've been able to fall back onto many times and remind myself and say, hold on a second. I made a declaration, a decision that I'm going to live for God with all of my life. And therefore, that's the decision, not the choice, but the decision I'm going to live by. Turn with me tonight, if you were, to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22. A kind of strange scripture at first, but just hang with me. Matthew 10, verse 22, Jesus says these words as he's getting ready to send out the 12 disciples. He tells them these words, real encouraging words when he's sending them out. (laughs) I mean, really encouraging words. You know, if you've been sent out on a mission or someone's telling you to do something, you want them to really pump you up and encourage you. Well, listen to what Jesus says to them. And you will be hated by all men for my name's sake. Oh, geez, Jesus, thank you very much. I could have done without that pep talk. I mean, that was some rally. Huh? It's like showing up at the gym for a pep rally and they're screaming and shouting, hey, all you football players, you're going to be bloody bruised and broken tonight. Woo, 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 woo. I mean, that's really motivating them to go out on the field, huh? But Jesus says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But notice what he goes on to say. But he or she who endures till the end, will be saved. In other words, Jesus is telling them, like he's telling us, there's going to be obstacles along your pathway. Please believe me, everyone's not going to hate you. Some may. Have you ever had anyone hate you for your stand? Not everyone's going to hate you. But the thought that Jesus was trying to show them and what we need to understand tonight, there's opposition that is trying to make us stop our course, to make us stop believing, to make us stop trusting in God. But you know what? We've got to determine and have determination in our life that we're going to endure to the end, that no matter what, we're going to hold our ground and we're not going to back down. Winston Churchill, an incredible leader of an incredible country called England, once said these words, a speech that has been recorded, written about, quoted, replayed over and over again. He said these famous words, we will never surrender. We will never surrender. Those words, that speech, he said, we'll fight them on the landing grounds, we'll fight them on the beaches, we'll fight them in the streets, we'll fight them, but England will never surrender. You may say, well, they're cool words, that was good. You've got to understand, those words put such a resolve into a nation that was absolutely terrified and on the verge of total and utter defeat. 
Now, when I say defeat, it didn't mean that an enemy was about to defeat them. The people of that nation, the nation of England, within themselves, they did not believe that they could overcome. They did not believe that they had the ability to be able to stand up and fight. They just thought that they were going to be overrun. But one man stood up and says, we're never going to surrender. Letting everyone know that no matter what, and the picture that he gave was people would be fighting in the streets, but it gave the people such a resolve that the people rallied and they came together. This was the same man that stood up on national radio. They, they, do you know that they had to change the church services in England on a Sunday night because Winston Churchill would come on the radio, I believe at 6 p.m., and they had to change the, uh, the church services because no one was going because they were listening every week to the words that he spoke. And one week he stood up and said, we need your pots, we need your pans to build bullets, to build aeroplanes, and to build tanks. Everyone, he said, has a pot that they can spare or a kettle that they can give. He knew they couldn't use one of those pots. He knew that they did. there was no point in any, but he got the people to buy into the fact that they were helping. They were aiding. As people by the thousands gave pots and pans, saying, let me be a part of what is happening. So how can we have or how can we develop that type of no-quit resolve in our hearts? I think that's important, don't you? Come on, I think that's important. I'm tired of people looking at Christians and say, let's just wait five minutes and they're going to change. I'm tired of people looking at us like we're a joke, like we don't stand for anything, but we just quit at the first hint of adversity and trial. Come on, I want to see Christians have a backbone like they've never had before. That like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're going to say no matter what you do, even if God doesn't come through, let it be known that I'm going to trust in Him because that's the decision, not choice, but the decision I've made. Come on, we need a no-quit resolve in our lives. So I want to give you three points that will help us, I believe, and help develop that no-quit resolve in our lives. Number one, learn to tackle things in phases. Learn to tackle things in phases. In, in other words, set manageable goals. Set goals that are obtainable. But we've got to be very careful here because I don't want us to set so easy goals that there is no challenge because we've got to have a certain challenge. You know what they say? A rubber band does not fulfill its potential until it's stretched. So we need to have a certain element of stretching to produce a challenge inside of our lives. But we don't want to set such vast and such great goals that they seem so unobtainable and unreachable that what happens? We get so discouraged and we think, think we can never make it. So we've got to learn in our lives according to our own personalities and according to our own way of life. We've got to set goals that are manageable, that are obtainable for every one of us. We've got to find the balance. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, find the balance in your life. Have you ever seen someone whose life is off balance? Come on. Their life is off kelter. I mean, it's as England, they would say, your life's on the huh, which means off balance. It's on the huh, okay? So your life's off balance. 
We've got to find a balance in our lives. That yes, we go after goals and we set things, but we don't want to set such great goals that we find ourselves not even making it to the halfway line before we quit and give up. You know, we can have the greatest goals in the world, but they are nothing unless we make it to them. So what can we do? We can tackle things in phases that we can achieve the goals. I'm sure we can all testify tonight that we haven't made it yet. Come on. If you've made it yet, then great. Look at me because I haven't. We haven't made it yet. But I'm sure every one of us could also agree that we've come a long way. God has or He is completing us in stages. Miss Jeanette emailed me something, a quote from John Newton this week, and it says this, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I am not what I was. Thank God He works on us in stages. (laughs) I said, thank God He works on us in stages, because if He didn't, none of us would be able to handle all the work that needs to be done at once. We would never get up off the surgery table. Come on. But God has taken us and he's moving us on. I remember about this time last year, maybe a little bit later, I began training for a half marathon that I was going to run in February. And I remember a half marathon is 13.1 miles. And I remember the first day I went out, I didn't run 13.1 miles, John. I wished I could have ran 13.1 miles. But you know what? The first day I ran, I ran two miles. And then the next day I ran about two miles again. And I had a schedule. But what it did was it gradually increased the mileage that by game day or by race day, my body, my stamina had been built up. That I was able. You see, we have got to set management. If I would have gone out there and said the first day I'm going to run five miles, I would have probably discouraged myself so much. Never mind, I would have probably almost died. But I would have probably discouraged myself. You know, I had this training program that someone gave me, and I thought it was great. In 12 weeks, it was going to take me from running zero miles up to 13.1 miles in 12 weeks. And I was like, this is great. And I'm running it, and I'm about three, four weeks into it, thinking this is really hard. And then I read the paperwork. And the paperwork says, this training schedule is for someone who is a recreational runner who runs at least... (laughs) 10 miles a week. (laughs) And I'm thinking, wow, no wonder I'm struggling a little bit here. Because I went from zero to whatever. I mean, zero to hero, I guess, almost. But man, it was crazy. But you know what? We've got to set manageable goals. You've got to set manageable goals in your life. Because if not, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to quit. It's like a play. If any of you have ever been to Broadway or you've ever seen one of these big theatrical plays, they have what they call scenes. The play is divided into separate scenes. But each scene is part of the big picture. If you were just to watch one scene, you would only get a part of the story. 
But this scene leads into this scene, which leads into this scene, which, when all placed together, makes the big picture or tells the complete story. That's why I'm saying you've got to do your life in stages. Manageable goals that over the course of time, the main or the big picture is going to be seen. Think about when God created the world. God took six days to create something that he could have created with one word. He could have just said, be done. That's two words, but he could have just said, what? Done. He could have just said, done. Just, and, and everything was done. I mean, that's the power, the creative power that the God that we serve has. But God chose to do things one day at a time. And if you would read how he created, it was almost at the end of every day. He sat back and he admired and he looked at that which he had accomplished that day. And God looked and said, that's good. I did good. I like what I see. I think that's an incredible image or a picture of how we can maintain or we can keep on going is that we tackle things in stages that we have the ability to be able to sit back and celebrate the goals that we have completed. But remember this, don't stay too long at the party. We can celebrate and have time, but you know, there's other goals that still have to be. But what was it that God said was good? It was that which he had completed. It was that which he had finished of that time. Matthew 6 verse 34 tells us these words. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day. This day is its own trouble. In other words, God's word is telling us, don't focus on tomorrow. Complete today, and then you can step into tomorrow. What does that mean? That your today will make way for your tomorrow. You've got to complete today because if you don't complete today, there's, no going to be, there's not going to be a smooth transition into your tomorrow. How many knows today you cannot control your tomorrow? Is that really true though? Think about this. I can't control my tomorrow, but I believe the way I handle my today can perhaps alter my tomorrow. Anyone agree with me with that? So we say, I can't control tomorrow. Well, we're in some ways right. But yet the way, the godly way, the right way, the completing way that we handle our todays can completely change and alter our tomorrows. You see, so often we look so far ahead. And as a result of looking so far ahead and setting such big goals, the hill that we have to climb seems to be so big that we begin to remind ourselves or tell ourselves, there's no way that I can make it. No way I can make it. 
And please understand what I'm saying tonight. I'm not, I'm not telling you not to live without a vision because I'm all about having vision and, and having that because we know the Word of God says without vision. The people run wild is one translation, but another says that the people perish, that there's no restraining in their lives. So I'm not telling you not to have a vision because we've got to have a vision. But what we need to remind ourselves is that in order to achieve our vision, which is really the destination of where we're going. We've got to keep heading towards that goal, and every day we've got to keep taking a step. Come on, say with me, a step. Just a step. A step at a time. A step at a time. Realizing this, that one day I'm going to make it. But the only way I'm going to make it one day is by taking another step today. And you know what? As I take a step, Patricia, I'm one step closer to my goal, to my destination, to the vision. But if I don't take a step, see why it's so important to set manageable goals? That you can step into that. The second point that we need to look at tonight is how we can endure and keep on going is the law of association. The law of association. We've got to watch who we hang around with. Let me put it this way. We've got to watch who we plant in our garden. Or as you all say, plant in your garden. You've got to watch who you plant in your garden. Psalms 1 verse 1 and 2 said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he doth meditate. I like that word meditate there. It means ponders and talks to himself about it. We need to ponder on God's word. I think Jerry Hunt used another word, muse on God's word. We need to ponder it. We need to speak it into our lives. But his delight is in his law and he meditates on it day and night. So what happens? He first walks, he next stands, and then he sits. We see the progression or the deterioration of what happens when we hang around the wrong crowd. The wrong crowd will stop you, hinder you, and never make you into a finisher. If I want to know how to finish, come on, I've got to be around people who are going the same way as I want to go. We've said this so many times, but you don't ask advice of how to walk on water from people who won't even get out of a boat. Come on now. Oh, they had their opinions of how to walk on water, but you don't ask advice from someone who won't get out of the boat. The people that day looked at Peter and said, you're crazy for what you're doing. And you know what Peter was going, what was going through his mind? He's going through his mind was 2,000 years from now. You watch. You're going to be the ones who are labeled as crazy. And I'm going to be the one who is not. You've got to watch who you hang around with. I want to be around finishers. I want to be around people who will lift me. I want to be around people who will define me, who will shape me, who will mold me. Come on, I want to knock against people in that brook. Come on, to knock the edges off my life that I can be a smooth stone that can be what? Used by God. Proverbs 27, 17. We all know this verse. Iron sharpeneth 
Or as iron sharpeneth iron, so doth a man sharpen the countenance of his friends. So we know that iron sharpeneth iron, but remember, lead will take you to the bottom. Hebrews 12 and verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Come on, say with me, every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. I love this part. And the sin. Notice that. Every weight and the sin that so easily besets us or ensnares us and let us run with endurance. Here it is, endurance. That means not quitting. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I love this. Verse 2. Here's the key. Looking unto Jesus. Undivided attention. Eyes only for God. But we can see here that the Bible tells us that we've got to run with endurance, but yet we've got to watch for those things that ensnare us, the weight and the sins. Every weight and the sin. Can I talk for just a few seconds about the weights? Because we all know what sin is. The Bible says that sin is sin. We can try and categorize it all we want, but sin is a separating factor between man and God. Sin is that which displeases God. But the Bible here also refers to the weights. The things that weigh us down and hinder us. Every weight that we have weighing us down in our lives may not all be sin. Listen to me. May not all be sin. We can be in a relationship that may not be sinful, but yet it's a weight that's weighing us down. There are circumstances and situations that we can find ourselves in life that are weights that are holding us down, that are not all necessarily sin. But their intent or the result of those weights can almost carry the same effects as those of sin. And that is to stop us from enduring, but to make us quit. What are some weights that we can perhaps have in our life? You know, I thought about this wrong conversation. We can have wrong conversation that's not necessary sin, but it's not really progressing our life. Just negative talk, negative conversation, gossip. Just the things that we can do. Now, they are sin, and gossip is a sin, but there are aspects of maybe negativity or wrong conversation that are not necessary sins that are going to put us to hell, but they're not really helping us in our quest for heaven also. What about discouragement? You know, just being so discouraged, that's a weight that we've got to release in our lives. But I believe this also. There's other weights, but I believe that wrong people, the wrong people, can be a weight that will tear down your life. It may not be a sin to hang around with them, but you've got to look and ask yourself this question, are they progressing my life? You may say, well, they're just neutral friends. Listen, if it's neutral, you're not going anywhere in a hurry. A car, we've shared this so many times, you put a car in neutral, it will never roll uphill. It's always going to roll downhill. Neutral friends are going to take you down. Because if your life is not progressing, your life is digressing. 
It's going nowhere. Ask yourself, the people you hang around with, what are they bringing into my life? There's different types of friendship, and we haven't got time to go into it tonight. But you watch. There's, there's people who speak into your life, that fill you. There's the neutral friends or the friends on the same plane as you that you just associate and you hang out with and you, you kind of, you're, you're equal to. And then there's people who are under you which drain you. You've got to be careful that you've got to have someone speaking into you so you can kind of hang. But if you don't have anyone speaking into you and just someone <laughs> sucking the life out of you, they're going to bankrupt your life. You've got to learn the law of association just to put your life once again in balance. So if I'm going to finish, if I'm going to endure, I've got to watch the people I choose to be around. One of the biggest traps that Satan throws people in is once they get delivered in their life, they want to go back to the places where they came from and try and grab everyone out. It's great to have that desire, but you've got to make sure that God leads you in the way you can do it because nine times out of ten, people fall back victim again to the sins that they were. Why? Because God didn't necessarily call you to go back into that situation, but God called you to bring them out of that situation. Got to have wisdom. Got to have wisdom. Watch your association. I'm not saying for you not to be unfriendly with people. Because after all, we've got to make friends with the world in order to save them. Come on, isolation. When God says, be you separate, He didn't say isolation is living in a hole. That we should push off from everyone else. We've got to befriend these people and we've got to be there. But yet watch the association. Watch who you plant in your garden. Watch who takes root in your life and brings fruit into your existence. Is that okay? So watch the difference between friendships and acquaintances. A lot of kids, you know, we deal with this with with our teenage daughters a lot. Oh, they're my best friends. When you get to be about our age... You begin to look back at your life and you realize you didn't have 30 or 40 best friends. There was maybe four or five people at most that you can look back and say, they're my best friends. There was a lot of acquaintances. There was a lot of people who were in it for the journey or for a certain distance. But you know what? There really wasn't much in common after we graduated. There wasn't much in common after we stopped playing soccer together. There wasn't much in common after we did this. They were just acquaintances. So watch the law of association. And last but not least, in order to finish, we've got to realize this. God has put more inside of you than you can do. It's an incredible thought that God has placed more potential, more vision, more future inside of me than I am able in my lifetime and in my strength that God gives me to be able to perform or to accomplish or to be able to completely finish. In other words, what God has placed inside of every one of us, His vision should be bigger than you. It's bigger than you for a reason. You know why? So it will continue beyond you. So that you can pass it on to others around. The picture is bigger than you and it's okay. You've got to realize that God has placed such incredible things inside of you. You know, I I look at people who come up to me and say, Pastor Philip, God's given me just a vision for ministry in this church. And I think that's so great because you know what? Here's the thought of ministry, to build up a team. 
So if anything happened to you, what happens? Someone else can step up and take that place. So what? The ministry doesn't die, but it continues. That's the vision that we've got to have in our lives, realizing it's bigger than me and it's okay. If it's something that I can accomplish on my own, can I tell you right now, it's never a vision that God has given you. Because you need the help of God to accomplish the visions that He's placed inside of your life. Don't be like many in the church that have just what I call a lunch mentality. What does that mean? They don't see beyond lunch. They don't see the future. They don't see the importance. They're not planning for the next generations in the future. You know, God willing, in the next six, eight months, my mom and dad are going to come over and help us in the church. And you know what I've already told my dad? I said, Dad, this is going to be the, one of the number one purposes that I want you and mom over here for. And that is this. I want you to empower the next generation. I want you to take your wisdom. I want you to take what you have learned. And I want you to sow it into Trey and Megan. I want you to sow it into Dale and Hope. I want you to sow it into these people. So for what reason? So they'll continue and take up the mantle and keep it going. The lessons that you've learned, share with them. The hardships and the pains, share with them so they don't have to face those same struggles. We've got to start raising up the next generations. We've got to start building. Why? Because in order to finish it, we've got to realize it perhaps involves other people too. I'm a better person, Phil. You know for what reason? Because of my relationships I have with people in this church. Because they make me better. I realize that my vision can be fulfilled as I what? As I realize it may take other people around me. Why? Because I need you. I need every one of you to fulfill the vision that God's placed in my life because it's so bigger than me. If I was to share with you the vision that God's given me for this church, you would be blown away. It scares me and I don't know what it would do to you. But it's bigger than me. I look at it and say, how can I do it, Phil? How can I make it? But I already, if I would look back, there's so many ways and so many stages that God has already brought us through that I thought we would never make it. But I need to realize this too. My desire is to pass my vision on to my children. Some of the saddest passages you will ever read in the Bible, I think, are found in Kings and Chronicles. Where it says, king after king. It says these words, but their children did not follow the God of their fathers. And they were more evil than the ones that went before them. Why is that? Because it wasn't passed on. It wasn't taught to them. You see, Bishop, our lives need to be like a real relay race. And that is this, realizing, you know what? I'm not maybe going to make it to the finish line for everything that God's had. But you know what? My job is to run my leg. That's what they call it. You run your leg. And at the right moment, it's important that what I'm doing is I'm passing it on to the next person who's going. If you've ever ran in a relay race, it's incredible. When you get to a certain part, you shout hit or you shout a key name and they start running and you run. You're going full speed and they're just beginning. They're just starting to run. And by the time you, they're almost up to full speed, you're handing it off. It's not like they're waiting. If you're in a good relay team, you're not waiting for the bat. And I'm telling you, you are hitting and getting that bat in full strides. For what reason? That they will almost like... There wasn't even a stride or a second missed. 
there's visions I know that God's placed inside of us that we are called to lay the foundation for. David had a vision of building an incredible temple for God, and God said, you're never going to build it. He could have gone, uh. But you know what he did? The Bible says he laid up thousands and thousands of dollars worth, millions of dollars worth of gold and precious materials and stones. And he had all the men in place and he had everything for his son that all he had to do was, here, son, you build it. Yes, Solomon brought more to it, but you know what? David almost had everything already provided for his son. What an incredible thought. That the vision lives beyond us. Isn't that incredible? That should make us want to endure. What? Because it goes beyond us. That when we're dead and we're buried and we're in the grave. God forbid if that's the case before the rapture takes place. That the vision that God's placed inside of us can live on. Because it's bigger than every one of us. So learn to tackle. Maintain or take manageable goals. Tackle things in, in phases. Watch who you associate. Plant in your garden. Realize that vision is bigger than you. It involves more than just you. Just don't start it. Don't just start it. Finish it. And then one day you will hear these words. Well done. Thy good and faithful servant. Enter in. Why is God going to say well done? He's going to say well done because he who endures to the end. He's going to say well done because you didn't give up. But you kept holding on. Come on, I've got such a commitment to this church and to see this church grow. This is our life. This is what we believe in. We need other people who will commit not just to start but to finish. But we're talking more than just church life. We're talking about in every area of your life, you need to make a commitment to finish it. Come on, what in your life have you looked at and thought, man, I'm going to give up on? Or what have you perhaps given up on that God says once again, relive that vision. Come on, rebirth the vision inside of you. Maybe it's a lost loved one that you've been praying and praying and nothing is happening. Come on, don't give up. Finish it. Maybe it's your marriage. Don't give up. Finish it. Maybe it's your career. Don't give up if God has given you a vision. Finish it. Maybe it's your temper. Maybe you've got an anger problem and you've been praying and it just seems like it's getting worse and worse. Don't give up. Believe in. Finish it. Maybe it's your health. Don't give up. Don't quit. Finish it. Maybe it's your future. Don't give up. Don't quit. Finish it. Come on, don't let go. Hold on. I heard a story once about a man who was flying in a smaller aeroplane. For whatever reason and however this happened, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine how it happened, but some way as the plane was taken off, he was sucked out of the aeroplane. I think the door opened and he went to close the door and he was sucked out of the aeroplane. Well, you can imagine the co-pilot or it was probably the co-pilot who was sucked out because the pilot probably said, hey, go and shut the door. You know, that was really good of him. You know, go and shut the door. <laughs> but whoever was sucked out, they were sucked out. Not a good experience. So whoever it was it left in the cockpit screamed to the traffic control, we've got to make an emergency landing. We've lost someone out of the plane. When they made the emergency landing and they came to land, 
person climbs out of the plane and to his amazement, here was the one who had been sucked out of the plane holding on to the undercarriage of the aeroplane. Holding on. The reporter reported that the paramedics had to break every one of his fingers in order to get him to let go of the undercarriage of that plane. Under such shock and such terror and fear, that person held on knowing that their life would be lost if one finger perhaps came loose and the hand slipped off. That even when safety came, Bishop, they had to break every finger so that person would relinquish the hold. You know what I call that? White knuckle syndrome. We've got to have such a determination in our life, realizing that if we let go, it's not only our lives that are going to be lost. There's other people that are waiting on us. And we've got to hold on with everything that we've got, no matter what, and never give up. Never surrender. Why? Because it's worth that much. The last words that Jesus cried out as he hung upon the cross was the words, it is finished. Meaning this, I have completed the task. I have come here, or I was sent here to do. I have committed my life to the cause. And as a result, Jesus says, I've finished the job. What an incredible testimony. But you know why it's so important for us to finish? You know what really it means for us to finish? It means that when we finish, we can go to the next level. But it's not only about us going to the next level, it's also for the next generations. That we need to finish it. Come on, refuse to be denied in your life. What is it that you've desired from God? Come on, we're taking steps to take our lives from plan to purpose. You've got to determine no matter what, you're not going to quit. Come on, you're not a quitter. But with God... You're an overcomer. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.